Well, folks, I'm uh, really excited uh, today about my guest. Um, Kathy Andrews has, has joined me and someone that I get to work with on a regular basis. Um, she's a, a consultant. She has a, a firm called Singa Leadership and Kathy's the managing director and Singa specializes in helping organizations develop high-performing cultures. And we're gonna talk about that. Um, most of the exciting work that I do, uh, Kathy is at the forefront of designing that. Um, and why I'm excited for you, the listener, is because Kathy, you know, her career, not only does she have great insight into what great organizations are doing right now, but she had a, she had a career that was maybe a little more traditional, like working in, in corporate organizations. She pivoted and grew and ended up leading an HR team for a global organization. And there's all kinds of stories that I, hopefully she's going to share about things like burnout and some personal challenges she's faced. Um, you know, Kathy is someone that is uh, very brave and courageous and smart and compassionate and vulnerable, all the things that we we are looking for in great leaders. So uh, I am really excited uh, to have Kathy here and, and to share the magic of, of Kathy with all of you. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. My name is Chris Obst. I've spent the last 25 years going deep with leaders on the real challenges they face, the stuff that keeps them up at night. Are you ready for raw and honest conversations and the reality that self-leadership and personal growth are the keys to you being the leader that you were meant to be? Well, Kathy, you're here finally. I am. Thank, thank you for joining me, me and us and all my listeners. <laughs> it's so nice to be here, Chris. Yeah. We, um, I often ask this question and I was thinking about it before you got here. In fact, we were just talking about it. Is Where did we meet? Do you remember when that was or the context? Because we've been working together for a while now. Gosh, I remember exactly where it was. I think we're in a coffee shop on in North Vancouver, and uh, we had a mutual friend and client, and and she'd invited us both to participate in this program, and um, we started working together right away. Yeah. Now, what you may not—I don't know if I ever told you this—but I had just finished. Um, I was doing some work with a with another organization, like I was sort of a hired gun facilitator for them, and uh, they had just changed all their content, and so I was. I think I might've been in Toronto and they sent me these new binders and they changed their content and said, oh, all the binders will be there. And I had this group of people I hadn't met and the content changed radically. And I remember feeling like really uncomfortable and, and I like facilitation and I know I'm good at it. And that day I wasn't, <laughs> I was not good at it. And I remember thinking I am never doing someone else's binder again. And then our mutual contact called me and said, hey, Chris, there's a leadership development program we're doing. Uh, really love you to be a part of it. And I just said, like a week ago, I said to myself, I'm not doing someone else's binder. She said, you've got to meet Kathy. She's just meet Kathy. And I remember going to this coffee shop. Anyway, it was so loud, right? Yes, Do you remember we could barely hear each yep. other? And, but I remember meeting you and going, oh my God, what a breath of fresh air. And then seeing the content that you'd put together, I thought, oh, this stuff's good. This is relevant. This is current. And I got excited. And yeah, so that was what, seven years ago now? Yeah, it was. And so you and I, um, I'm, I'm thinking about the last few years, all the stuff that I deliver that I'm most excited about is work that you've designed. Well, thank you very much. So, um, I mean, you're the managing director of of your firm, of, yes. of single leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you as a boutique consulting firm uh, that specializes in, in building and developing high performance cultures. But maybe for the listeners, just give us a little double click on on the stuff that lights you up. The, the mm -hmm. you know what, what are you passionate about in the work that you do? 
I think what I'm really passionate about is that I get to work with leaders that really care about their cultures and really care about what their leaders are doing and, and the kinds of leaders that really just want to learn. And my company is called Singa Leadership and Learning because the best leaders that I work with are the ones that are always learning. Mm. So we get to come alongside people that just want to um, just want to improve continuously. And so the work that we do um, involves designing and developing leadership programs, uh, helping people revise core processes that shape their cultures. We work one-on-one with leaders that want to learn new skills and, and get better. And, um, and, and in the last few years, we've been working more in inclusive leadership. Yeah, such a huge, important topic right now. Um, well, there's a lot that we're going to cover today, and, and we'll probably bounce around just because mm-hmm. that's how I roll, and I know you and I are, are comfortable doing that. All right, so I, I would love um, if you could share with the listeners a little more about Singa, because for me, um, Singa Leadership is you, and I know you've got an amazing team. Um, you're my go-to if a client calls me and there's a project that looks like it needs some design. Mm-hmm. I learned years ago that that's not a space I should be in. So so what, what are the, the main areas you focus on and the things that really you know, kind of light you up and get you excited. Yeah, well, uh, my team and I focus really in three areas. We do leadership development. And like you said, Chris, do a lot of design of the programs and the and the overall frameworks of those programs for organizations. Because we really want to build a common language of leadership with our clients. Mm-hmm. We don't want um, just to come in and do our thing. We want them to have the ownership of the tools and the content. And, and then that, that's the way we find it sticks. That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is that we work as pure OD consultants when we're analyzing HR processes and trying to make improvements. Mm-hmm. And that space in particular, we're, we're working in, um, in more of an inclusive space to address bias and barriers. Uh, and that's been more a recent focus for us. And then we do like you, coaching one-on-one with leaders. Right. Um, leaders who are transitioning from uh, new managers to more senior managers and senior managers to directors, we really focus with with people that are in transition. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, something that caught my attention earlier when you said that you know you you're energized and excited about working with people that want to continue learning that have that yeah. that mindset and and this is something I've been thinking about lately. How do you know? Like when you're first meeting a potential client, how do you know if they've got that? mindset of really committed to learning or it's like well we've got some budget we want to use up this year let's bring a consultant in like yeah, yeah. Have, have you learned to there, there's certain questions you asked or behaviors you notice yeah it's interesting that's a great question i think i listen i listen for um, an eagerness to to learn through reading through podcasts um, through an attitude of curiosity mm-hmm. and sometimes you meet people that do tend to f- you get the sense that they've got it figured out and that's a bit of a flag for me because the world is changing so fast and you just can't you can't afford to get lazy and arrogant and the more senior you are the more important it is that you continue to learn and evolve and then to hire people around you that are going to teach you stuff right right yeah i love that that's a um I don't think I did articulate it that well, but that's what I've been noticing is like the people when we first meet them and they they know it all because <laughs> they've been in their industry for 20 or 30 years. It's a red flag. Yeah. Like, it, right. Absolutely. It's, it's a red flag. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd love to get into talking about some of you know what we've noticed in terms of 
great leadership traits, not so great leadership traits, because you and I really do partner with a lot of these leaders and organizations, mm -hmm. good, bad, and otherwise, but um, probably worthwhile, like most of us that end up in the consulting world, you had a life, a, a, a work life before that, mm -hmm. um, a corporate background. Um, and I know you're not from Canada yeah. or the US. So, mm -hmm. so maybe just share with the listeners a little bit about, about your background, um, you know, both, both where home is for you, because I think it's fascinating and interesting, and also um, what your corporate career looked like and, and what prompted you to get into consulting. Mm -hmm. Thank you, yeah. I, well, I was born and raised in South Africa, a very interesting place, and um, moved to Canada in 2001 and started my career in information technology, actually with a global, a global tech firm. And I got into my first leadership role really young. I was 23 years old and I was put into this role where I had to manage um, four men that were quite a lot older than me. And I, was, I had no training, I had no support, and I was very overwhelmed. In those days we had Blackberries <laughs> and I was glued to this Blackberry 24-7 because it was a 24-7 help desk. And so I asked my manager for some training. I okay. said, you know, I'm in a, in a leadership role and at the time he just didn't have much to offer me because it wasn't something that the company was supporting and and they didn't have budget for it so i took myself off to chapters and i bought the one minute manager <laughs> really Blanchard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and i read that in a night and i thought wow there's a lot of good stuff here so the next day i decided to apply it all <laughs> open door policy there's a new sheriff in town <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine how well that went <laughs> And so I continued to sort of fumble my way through it and then decided I needed to actually step away from the leadership role I was in and I moved companies, but it planted a seed for me to pay attention to the leaders around me that were really doing the job well. Right. And I started to pay attention to the, the things that they were doing with their teams that I found engaging and seemed to be effective and the ones that just weren't. And I decided that I wanted to move into human resources and training and start to pay attention to leadership development. So I continued on that track. I was with an organization, phenomenal shipping organization that facilitated that move from IT into human resources and, and training. And then ended up doing a master's degree in leadership development and started to specialize. When you made that move from IT into the HR world, did you know immediately like, oh, okay, this is, this is my space or did it take a little while or, or was there a bit of, uh, I don't know if I made the right decision. Like what was the experience like? Great question. I think what I, what I noticed early on in working with, with, with IT was the part of the job that I loved the most was when I got an opportunity to teach. Right. When I got an opportunity to learn something and to pay it forward. And so that for me became a real passion. And when I moved into HR, I had a bunch of wonderful leaders around me that just uh, gave me opportunities, took some risks and you know, put me at the front of the room, put me in situations that I probably had no business being in <laughs> and uh, encouraged me to, to take a leap. And, and I absolutely loved it. And I thought I found the best job in the world. If I'm gonna be in the corporate space, I couldn't imagine a better place to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you, I mean, your career progressed, you moved up in organizations and left organizations. And then mm -hmm. maybe just talk a little bit about your last chapter, your last stop in the corporate world and what prompted the move. Mm -hmm. um, because I think what I recall from you sharing that with me is there's, 
there's a lot of people out there that are feeling um, a lot probably like you felt and, and yeah. I think there's some learning there for everybody. What happened for me is that I got into a, a fast-paced global organization, was doing a lot of travel and had some success. I had a, a wonderful group of leaders around me who promoted me uh, quickly and I ended up in a role with a, a global responsibility and started working very, very long hours and not unplugging effectively and not mm. taking care of myself. Mm. And I tried to sustain that for many, many months, a uh, couple of years actually, and uh, eventually decided that if I didn't take a break, that I would get myself in more trouble. So great that you're sharing that. And sadly, I, I, you and I both meet a lot of leaders that have similar things going on in the world. Was there um, a moment, Kathy, or some symptoms that got your attention? Because usually, you know, there's something, there's an event uh, whether it's a physical or emotional <laughs> breakdown or something that that stops us in our tracks. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I know many of the listeners listen to my uh, podcast with Hilary Schneider, my equine assisted learning coach. And mm -hmm. for hers, it was quite dramatic. She said, Chris, I knew when I was burnt out, when I wasn't paying attention, I got run over by a horse and broke my collarbone, right? Wow. So it's pretty, pretty dramatic. I mean, for a lot of us in the corporate world, um, yeah. you know, in your case, you, you got yourself burnt out. Mm -hmm. um, were there symptoms? Were there warning signs? What, what were the things that, that led you to realize that, yeah, that something has to change here? How did you know? I started losing a bit of motivation for what I was doing. Incredibly scattered in mm. my day. Couldn't focus. And I was taking less care of myself and so neglecting to get out for my runs as a result of feeling less motivated overall. Um, and, you know, some more s signs that I started paying attention to were losing focus in meetings. So I wouldn't did, be able to- Sorry to interrupt, yeah. did others notice that or, or was it just you? I I think those that were really close to me started to notice the difference, but there was one really obvious day when I was in a meeting with an interview candidate. Okay. And I was run through my script and, and, and questions and, and engaging with this lovely fellow. And I lost my train of thought completely and needed to excuse myself from the meeting room. My brain just wasn't working. So you could actually feel you, yourself lock up or just... Yeah. yeah. Can, I remember talking to a counselor later on about it and she said, what did it feel like? And it was almost like there was a bit of lightning in my brain. Like I really actually couldn't track. I wasn't, my brain just was not processing right. effectively. Yeah. So that was one of the, the signs that I really needed to wake up to. And then one of the, um, much more serious signs that I was truly burning out was I had a panic attack at a conference in Dallas in a hotel room. And that was very scary. So it felt like I couldn't breathe and I was dizzy and my chest tightened up. And at the time I was in a very senior role, but only 34 years old. Wow. Didn't know what to do. Yeah. Called my mom in tears and she asked me a few questions. She called 811, which is our nurses line here for those that don't live in Vancouver, and, and then called me back and said, I think this is what's happening, stay still. And, um, and together we kind of figured out what to do. How great to have someone that you could call, whether it's family, a friend, a colleague. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about this all the time with leaders about you need people around you that, that will call you out, they'll have your back, that you can trust. So obviously your mom was that person for you. Yeah. So so what happened after that? 
uh, we got on a plane and I got on a plane. Uh, when I say we, she was talking to me most of the trip home because I was really shut down and, and scared, didn't know what was happening. And, uh, and then got home and needed to take a break from work for a couple of weeks and then made a decision to take some more serious time off. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, did, well, first of all, thank you. Um, I mean, <laughs> the name of my podcast is The Real Leadership Podcast. And this was my goal all along was to have real, honest conversations with people who are willing to be vulnerable and share their stories. Mm-hmm. And um, my sense is that there are other driven, <laughs> educated, um, bright, humans listening that have either been somewhere similar to what you described or they may be there. And I, I think it's just so valuable to for us to be talking about it because we're mach- we're not machines, we're humans. Yeah. And your human system kind of shut you down That's to right. get your attention, didn't it? It did. So you made a decision shortly after that to leave the corporate world? I did, yeah. And um, moved into consulting uh, with the hope that the flexibility, the autonomy uh, that I would have in the corporate in the consulting world uh, would also allow me to have the balance and the flexibility. At the time, I was trying to start a young family and um, was drawn to the lifestyle that I saw of what I perceived to see in this in the consultants that I'd hired when I was still in the corporate world. Yeah, make your own hours, <laughs> totally. t- take the gigs you want, That's work right. with the clients you mm-hmm. want, yes. get time for yourself, do yes. yoga, work out. Yes. Right. So I'm, I'm, assu- I'm, assu- I'm assuming you moved into that and everything was fine. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely not. No, I continue the same patterns of working really hard, staying, well, being highly accountable and, and continuing to, to work really long hours at the detriment of my health. Yeah. So, um, for our listeners, you had a wake-up call a few years ago. There, there, something stopped you in your tracks. Yeah, that's right. I was, uh, I was. One second. Yeah. No my 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 little boy was about fourteen months old. No. I was <laughs> uh, thinking about having a second child, and I found a unusual lump in my body and said to my husband, "What do you think?" And he said. I think we should get that checked out. And so we did. And I tried to keep myself calm through the initial tests, but I did have a feeling that it was more serious. You just do worry about these things. And uh, as it turns out, it was cancer. Yeah, I remember you, (laughs) I remember that phone call when you shared it with me and being absolutely stunned. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about how young you were, how, where, where your family was at, you, you know, your career, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just <laughs> for the sake of, of the listeners, I mean, you are a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. Our local uh, cancer agency here made you their spokesperson. That's right, yes. C- a couple of years ago, I saw the beautiful uh, mm-hmm. video that you did. Um, and again, though, there's there's something like what, now that you're on the other side of it, and you can share as much or as little as you want about your cancer journey, mm-hmm. uh, I think as it pretends, per, uh, pertains to leadership and, and our listeners is, what did, what did you learn from that? What did it teach you? What changes have you made? What what can you share with others, you know, so that we're all kind of benefiting? Uh, certainly those that are driven and ambitious in early career are, and highly accountable, I should say, are pressured to get married to the job that they're in. 
they're pressured to achieve, to keep it all together, mm. to stay tough. <laughs> and, you know, certainly I was quite arrogant, thought I was invincible and was working longer, harder, faster in order to achieve. And I did in many ways, had a lot of opportunities thrown at me, got to see the world, got to do great things, loved it. And uh, there was something brewing inside of me that wasn't liking what I was doing. And so we're not invincible. And I think those habits around health and slowing down and really making yourself a priority are really non-negotiable. Yeah. So, yeah. It's funny, not funny, but interesting. I, If somebody asked me to name a thousand adjectives that describe you, arrogance would not be one that ever <laughs> pops into my head. So it's interesting that you refer to it, um, but, but the driven and accountable, yeah. and I'm not discounting your words, I see you as you're here to serve others. And so when you are driving and you're accountable, um, my experience with you anyway in the seven years that I've known you has been it's around taking care of others taking care of the client helping them doing your best work yeah it's not about again my experience is that it wasn't about your ego mm. <laughs> it, yeah. it wasn't about you becoming rich and famous and amazing it was about you serving at the highest level and the reason I point that out obviously as, as someone I care about is to hey go easy on yourself but also I think there's a there's a lot of others out there that you and I interact with that that are very um, you know they're they're true servers of others there mm. whether it's in the family domain um, you know whether it's a mother or father like, taking care of others and putting others first to a fault mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you recall you invited me to do a session on energy management with a group. It was like a networking group or something you were involved with. That's right. And you came and attended. And it may have even been a previous session. And I was was asked, I was giving an example of feedback. I was teaching um, the the group we were working with on how to give feedback. And I said, for example, if I was going to give Kathy feedback, I would say this. Do you remember that? That moment i do remember that moment and i remember what you said you said you need to start taking better care of yourself yeah and, mm-hmm. and that that kind of haunted me because that was before you and i knew that you right. had cancer yeah, but in right. that it's something that spoke to me in that moment yeah. because I, I saw you and it's like she's so talented she's so smart she's so caring and i could see you something shifting in you I, mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so um, so what have you done? Like, obviously, you know, how many years now are you on the other side of the cancer? Diagnosis in 2016 and finished up treatment mid-2018. Okay. So you're a few years out now. Um, what are the... What are the new non-negotiables in your world? I think first and foremost is exercise. Uh, work out a lot more than I used to and that is number one priority it comes ahead of sometimes uh, time with my child and time with my husband and I get up early to make it happen I have a few amazing friends in, in my life that get me out of the door early in the morning and uh, and that would be the biggest shift we've made some pretty significant changes to diet and uh, although I still do sprint I'm much more careful to plan times of recovery and unplugging. And that's actually thanks to teaching from you, Chris. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I, I can't take credit for the science behind it, but I am, as you know, a big believer in this idea of, okay, you're going to go hard? Good, go hard. I like people who go hard, but make sure you take breaks, That's right. right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and just for you to share that sometimes you're putting your workout ahead of your kid or your husband. I mean, that's the reality. And and it's that, you know, um, you and I and the people in our world probably um, get accused of, of sharing the story of the oxygen mask on the plane. Like mm-hmm. if you're traveling with a, a small child, put your oxygen mask on first or, or you know, you can't pour from an empty, empty cup. This idea that we need to feed ourselves if we're going to feed others. And it sounds logical and easy to do, but it's not easy to do. No. And and I've I've watched you prioritize it, and I applaud you for that. And I think, and it's not perfect, is it? No, it's not perfect. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's trade-offs that you make, but I I do have I do find that if I prioritize exercise, then the time that I do spend with my family, I'm able to be more present. And it's not it's not a uh, it's not a luxury anymore. I used to have a, a different frame around exercise and around breaks that was uh, a little misguided. I was coaching a CEO a couple of weeks ago and she said to me, uh, she asked me, I asked her how she's taking care of herself over the next few weeks. Cause it's evident that she's working, working a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, um, I'm doing the self-indulgent thing, like going to the gym and spending time with friends. And I said, just just back up a second. (laughs) Good for you. It's not (laughs) self-indulgent to go to the gym. It's a necessity for high performance. And she looked at me and said, yep, okay, noted. So yeah, that's definitely been a learning. And that's that paradigm shift that, that we're on this journey to help you know, busy, driven, smart people um, yeah. adopt is that it's it's not selfish to be selfish in those moments. It's actually selfless, yeah. and because you, if you break down, if you can't give what you want to give to the level you want to give, we all suffer. That's right. right? Yeah. 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 So it's critical. I love that you called her out on it being self-indulgent. It, it's <laughs> not. No, it's committed to high performance, and yes, it is. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think there's there's so much of value in there for for the listeners, and and again, I, I I thank you for sharing. It's a very personal journey, and you are very inspiring. Everyone that uh, engages with you and your team uh, sings your praises because of the level of commitment and creativity and compassion that you bring. And so, I know the energy that you put out, and so um, I think it's a great it's a great lesson for the listeners around if you're going to sustain high performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. some changes you got to make. That's right. Thank yeah. you, Chris, and I appreciate the the compliment. I definitely, I'm grateful for um, team around me. I I want to share one more tidbit that is really valuable. Again, that that sort of you share in your workshops when you're working with leaders, and that is when you do step away. A lot of time, you're actually thinking about work, and that's okay. But when you actually move your body, when you have oxygen to the brain your best ideas come to you. Mm. So just because you're away from your desk, moving in the forest, on your bike, running, doesn't mean that you're not actually still thinking about it. Not that I encourage that, it's good to have a (laughs) mental break, but really it's so good for your brain. And in fact, you'll be more effective when you return to your desk. And to talk about it, because we've got to encourage people to do this. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a pet peeve uh, when, when I work with leaders who are 
they found their way to some lifestyle changes, but then they feel like they got to hide it from their staff. <laughs> Either because they don't want the staff doing it or they feel like somehow they're cheating. Uh, and, yeah. and I guess what you just shared, for those of, them, those of you that aren't quite ready to just do it for a break, by the way, great ideas will come to you when you're taking that break. That's right. So you don't have to feel guilty. You're still on the clock. But <laughs> big picture, we're on the journey of saying, it's okay to be off the clock. It, yes. it means you care. So that, that's a really good insight. Um, Kathy, I know one of the themes um, in the work that we do together is, is just talking about the expectations on leaders because you and I are usually brought in when there's a opportunity to upgrade leadership in an organization, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if I think, Back on my early days in a career, what I thought a leader was and what looked like was important was it was a lot to do with confidence and um, assertiveness. Yeah. Right. Clear. Yeah. Uh, I have clarity, conviction, command, control, confidence. A lot of C's. <laughs> the C-suite. Um, and, and we've seen we've seen that evolve. Um, I think the expectations. If I was to put you a bit on the spot, what would you say if you look at great leadership now and maybe in the near future, what would you say would be the most important characteristic or trait that a great leader exhibit or embody? It's a great question and I agree with you. It's shifted and I think the calling for leaders in the future is to be inclusive. Hmm. I know that's a that's a big area that you and Singa are working in now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you expand a little bit on what that means to you when you say inclusive and what are some of the other traits or behaviors that leaders need to exhibit to be inclusive? For sure. You know, I think we are learning and hearing from a lot of the organizations that we work with that employees are really craving belonging. They want to show up to work and they want to be invited to the dance. They want to feel like they're connected to a community. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just happen because people naturally form cliques at work you form friendships and circles and and um by you know creating those those connections we often um, head to the pub with a certain group of people and others that we don't click with and connect with we leave behind mm-hmm. and uh, as a leader observing a team behaving in this way it's important that the people that might be left behind from those clicks are are just being considered as as part of the team and and keeping an eye on that because people do want to feel included, but they're being excluded because they're different. They haven't gelled. I think we've hidden behind culture fit for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have a group of people, some of them are, are sort of from certain backgrounds and others are just from different backgrounds. Uh, they just don't know how to connect. And so there's a role of a leader to play there to try to create a sense of, of, of connection and community for everyone on the team, not just those that want to play golf or mm-hmm. go fishing or go hunting. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a journey we're all on to just try to pay attention and to be more empathetic, but we, we're just not all the same. Right. So that, that word empathy seems to be one that comes up a lot. It, it came up earlier when you and I were talking as that's sort of one of the keys for a leader to have in their toolkit. So how, how does a leader get there? You know, how, how do they, can they work on empathy and, and develop it? I can only speak from my, my personal experience growing up in, in South Africa, deeply racist country, brutally racist country. Mm. I absorbed uh, behaviors, mindsets, biases that I didn't even realize I had and had to come mm. to terms with. Um, my husband is from, from India. 
I took him back to South Africa, introduced him to you know my, my broader family, and that was a really interesting experience. And just starting to become aware of what we've absorbed as humans, purely because of where we've grown up, the family of origin we come from, the friends that we've made along the way, the privilege we've had, the schools we've attended, the um, uh, social scene that we're a part of uh, shapes us. And uh, we've got to kind of take a fresh look at that as we start to work in environments and be with people that are from a completely different part of the world and might not have had the same and earned benefits and privileges that we have. So the first thing is really self-awareness and starting to pay attention to who we are and how we show up and what we've taken for granted. And even taking that step forward and starting to challenge some of our own assumptions and the, the way we, we see the world is, is a big step forward that mm. I don't see a lot of people really taking in earnest. No. And so that's where I would encourage everyone start through reading, through talking to people who are from different places and just being really, really curious. Yeah, I love that. That curiosity is huge. And I, I have to thank you because a number of years ago, um, I had done no work in that space and, and a mutual client of ours um, wanted to, to start, um, I guess, marrying in this diversity and inclusiveness work into all their leadership development programs. And they were looking at firms that specialized in this. And um, I had already had a relationship and rapport and I know you were involved in the conversation. So, well, what if, what if Chris learned just a little bit about this? just enough to be dangerous and I remember like the stuff you sent me like what Google was doing and um, you know the I mean I didn't I didn't even know about unconscious bias prior to this and and so yeah. I, I remember like being completely uh, ignorant and blind to it and then going through you know these tests and understanding and you know here I was it wasn't lost on me that I was a uh, you know middle-aged white male standing in front of the room teaching, facilitating diversity and inclusiveness. And, um, but it showed me just how much I didn't know and how ignorant I was and, and the stories I told myself that, oh, no, I'm good. I'm not prejudiced and all of this. Uh -huh. And then realizing I've never been in that position. It's so rare for me to be in a position of being on the outside looking in or a minority. And, and I know there were people or other organizations where there was some pushback of, well, why would you have this guy teaching mm -hmm. um, diversity and inclusiveness? But you did such a good job pulling the content together, and we continue to do that work. And I, and and for me, it's like I I acknowledge that right away. Like I'm I'm not an expert. I'm on this journey with you all, and I think in a way it invites some of the other uh, pale male and stale <laughs> <laughs> colleagues to say, "Look, we don't know what we don't know." So we just need to. So when you say curious, I think that's such a beautiful place to start. Let's just step back and be curious. Why don't I know? Yeah. What don't I know? Who can I learn from? Yeah. Um, do, what's your take on, I mean, obviously you're engaging with organizations when they make a commitment to this. Um, are, are there, do you have a message or two for, for the listeners who maybe are in organizations where they haven't taken enough of a step yet? Is there, is there a call to action or a, you know, a thin edge of the wedge or something that you can share uh, to kind of encourage people to start going down that path you know i think it comes down to each and every one of us making that decision for ourselves and and starting with that journey of just paying attention to 
uh, our privilege. We are all privileged in different ways and, and, mm. and to get curious about how that's shaped our, our lived experience and, and not to wait for an organization around us to take a step and not to wait for leadership to take a step, but just for, for, for everyone to start to pay attention to who they're showing up shoulder to shoulder with and to try to learn about their experience and be empathetic mm. to their experience. The other thing that I've noticed with a lot of really, um, with, with leaders that are really early and individuals who are really early in on the journey is that in an effort to connect to other people's experience when they hear about hardship in their, in their world, whatever that looks like, is this real sort of eagerness to relate to the mm. experience. And what happens when we do that is we actually center ourselves in the conversation. And so what I would sort of share with everyone, because this has been a great learning from my amazing partner at Singa, is that you want to resist that urge to try to relate to that experience very closely based on something in your backgrounds. And I'll give you an example in a minute, because what you do is you immediately hijack the conversation you send to yourself. And I know I do that way more than I should. I think I just did it five minutes ago. <laughs> it's okay, Chris, this is your podcast. I'm sitting here cringing <laughs> at myself. <laughs> the, uh, this is your podcast. And so, um, yeah, that's the advice I, w- I would have is that t- to start to pay attention and when, you, when you're we're trying to learn about somebody else, ask more questions hmm. versus connecting it to something in your background. Kathy, that is next level stuff. And I, I, I'm so glad you said it. Because I think it's it's innate for a lot of us to try and relate and connect. I also love how gently you referred to people that were, how did you refer to them, early in the journey? As opposed <laughs> to like, for those of you that are clued out still, <laughs> it's very gentle. Early stages of your evolvement. Um, but that, that's, a, that's a great nugget, that this idea that let's just listen and don't feel, they don't need us to relate, they just need us to listen and maybe ask more questions, and and the relatedness. Who are we trying to help? Like, is that for us or for them? So, uh, very very insightful. Any anything else along those lines? Because I, I mean, that's very practical and and useful. Any other kind of watch out for's or hey, mm-hmm. if you start doing this, this is an easy place to start in an organization, and maybe someone at any level could do this. Any? Yeah. Uh, I think when we're really trying to build inclusive teams and and build relationships with with people who are um, different from us and we're on the learning journey in terms of what, what their life has been, I think we're gonna make mistakes. A lot of people are very afraid, especially with how a language is evolving and the importance of inclusive language and, and the choice of words these days it seems to be changing every day. It's hard to keep up with. Mm. We're gonna make mistakes. Mm. And if somebody does indicate that something was hurtful or harmful and you didn't even intend it, apologize and indicate that you'll try to do better next time versus make excuses or uh, not say anything at all. Speaking of um, mistakes, um, one of the things I I tend to ask all my listeners is to to look back on their career and and think about if they had a do-over, if there was something, and it may be something you've already shared or it may be something different, but is, is there something in your journey, either in your leadership journey in, in HR or in your consulting career that 
if you had to do over that you could do over. You touched on it earlier, Chris, and that is I, at one point when I was incredibly stressed, was worrying so much about what other people thought mm -hmm. that it was paralyzing to me. And there was this very simple idea that I, I learned from a, a thought leader we both follow. And uh, the, it was this concept of where what you focus on is what gets your energy or energy flows where your focus goes. Right. And that simple idea came across in my late 30s. And I wish that I'd known about it when I was really young because it was because of how powerful it was. The idea is that when you focus on what's going to go wrong in a situation, mm -hmm. uh, what people are going to think and how difficult it's going to be, you can get caught into that negative thinking spiral yeah. and it paralyzes you. And you know what's going to happen? <laughs> You're probably going to head towards the wall. You're going to head towards failure. Right. Because it's all you're focused on. Yeah, yeah. And you actually need to be quite intentional. If you start to focus on everything that could go right, something switches in your brain. Yeah. And so you have to plant different thoughts in your brain about what could go well, and you'll likely head towards that. Yeah. And that's been proven. It's how they train Formula One drivers. I love it. That, that reminds me years ago, I worked with a, when I first got into mountain biking, I, I worked with a coach because it was a new sport to me. And, um, you know, some of the trails where I live are pretty treacherous rocks and roots. And mm -hmm. um, he said, you know, if there's a rock on the trail, don't look at the rock. Yeah. Don't focus on the rock because it's sort of like where your eyes and chest are pointing is where your bike will go. So the rock is there. It's not going to be in the middle. It's off to the side. So. So focus on the path you want that front wheel to go. Just look down the trail where you want your front wheel to go. And lo and behold, the rock disappears. Yeah. But I had a few crashes with rocks because I couldn't. It's like, yeah, but yeah. there's a big bloody rock there and I don't want to hit it. And the next thing you know, I hit it. Yes. So yeah, I, I, I love that you shared that. Um, the, the other question was, was just around um, your 30-year-old self. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know... It's funny, I asked this because I think that the answers are interesting, even though I know that our 30-year-old selves couldn't have the capacity to do what our 40, 50, 60-year-old selves do and understand. But I think the nuggets for others listening are valuable. At least that's what the listeners are telling me, that they like this question. So yeah. if you were sitting with Kathy Andrews at 30-something years old at some point in your career, yeah. um, and, and she was maybe grinding through, stressing, worrying about something, and you got a chance to share some wisdom with her, what would, what would you share? That you don't need to have a career plan with every step mapped along the way. I remember at that time being really anxious around my next step, but wanting that long range plan so that I could f picture my future. Mm -hmm. And what's happened is that I've, I've focused on now what's in front of me and then things that you could never imagine unfold. So you can't predict that stuff. It's just focus on what's in front of you and stay curious and keep learning. And you'll never know what doors open and that will lead you where you need to go. So it's try to be as present as possible. Yeah, so you're relieving the burden of the 30 year old Kathy to have it all figured out, have the whole, the whole plan. roadmap. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really good advice. Yeah, I would rent a lot of space in my head. <laughs> needing the 10 years, the 15 years, the 20 year plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kathy, I'm sure you and I could keep talking. Um, we've been we've been at it a while. Uh, exciting for me that I think for my listeners that they get to hear 
uh, the magic that those of us that get to work with you feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're just your your strength and, and courage and vulnerability and creativity and compassion, all the things that make you amazing. So I want to thank you. I was excited to have you. I remember when I asked you about being here, I'm like, really? You want to have me? I said, yeah, I want to have you. You got a lot to share. Yeah, and, and so I'm glad, I'm glad we made it happen. And, and um, my sense is we'll probably do this again one day if, you're, if this wasn't too bad for you. <laughs> Love to, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Great, great conversation. Hi, everyone. I, I just want to take a minute and, um, and share my gratitude with you, the listeners, uh, for all your support. Um, we're, we're well into our second season now of the Real Leadership Podcast. And, um, you know, looking back on, on last season, it, it, it was successful. It was a lot of fun. And I, you know, I want to thank you for listening, um, for subscribing, for sharing with your friends and families and colleagues, uh, for your words of encouragement um, and for the feedback. I mean, I've, I've received a lot of feedback uh, in terms of what people like and what they'd like to see differently. Uh, I want to specifically uh, acknowledge Shara Justice, who, you know, you asked people for feedback and Shara took the time to write about five paragraphs of very specific feedback um, that I took to heart. So, um, you know, we're we're all in this together. This, this podcast is for you, the listeners. I'm getting a lot of joy out of it, more than I expected. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying having the guests on and um, having them share their wisdom and insights and learning with all of you. So anyway, I just want to take a minute and, and, and thank you for being part of this journey with me. The Real Leadership Podcast is produced by Chris Obst Leadership and Alive Creative Services. Thank you for listening.